0: You cannot launch innovation without finding a way for people to taste it. You're not gonna be able to demo enough to justify the cost. What you have gotta be able to do is get enough demos going to encourage repeat purchase, and that will eventually pay for itself.
1: Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today is part four of our podcast series with Seth Goldman, Startup CPG's entrepreneur-in-residence who has been joining us once a month to talk hot topics in CPG. Just in time for summer, this episode is all about field marketing, interns, in-store demos, events, guerrilla marketing, grassroots marketing, and more. You may know Seth as the co-founder of Honest Tea and author of Mission in a Bottle. And Seth is now the co-founder and CEO of Eat the Change, co-founder of Plant Burger, and chair of the board for Beyond Meat. Listen in as Seth covers how you can build your own field marketing program, including hiring, training, and managing team members, how to take field marketing and demos beyond just sampling with merchandising, displays, customer feedback, and market research, why sampling is so important to innovation adoption, and some really great stories from the road, field, and even airplane. Hi, Seth, welcome back to the show today. Glad to have you here. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Jesse. Good to be with you.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited today to talk about a topic that I think you're going to have lots of insights to share with us on, which is field marketing, grassroots marketing. And so, I'd love if you could start off by just kind of defining that in in your world and and what that's sure. looked like a little bit and then we can kind of go into to more specific details.
0: Yeah, it has always been a pillar of the businesses I've been involved with because, by definition, the, the, the food companies I've launched, food and beverage, have been new tastes. Um, you know, whether it's a less sweet tea that people aren't used to, or a, a plant based burger that no one's tasted before, or a mushroom jerky, or now a carrot chew. These are um, products where description is not enough. So you can talk about a less sweet tea. You can talk about a burger that a plant-based burger that chews like a beef burger, but until it touches your tongue and and you get to sense, taste the aroma, it really is a, it's a a philosophical (laughs) discussion and um, that doesn't lead to sales. It's the taste that's just so critical. And this goes back to our earliest conversation where, you know, I said, taste is everything. And if, if taste is everything, then field marketing is that delivery point. That's where, that's how you convert. From you know concept to, to to trial, you've got to get people to taste it, and so um, we and and I have personally been involved in field marketing from the earliest days. So you know, going back to my Honest Tea launch in 1998, you know, all our really our only marketing activity was just standing at a table with cups, serving cold product to people who came by, and and of course. The other reason I've um, chosen to invest in this kind of marketing is because it gives the chance to explain what you're doing. Um, It is is tasting for sure, but context is also really important. And if we just had sort of a blind tasting and people walked by, and tasted it without really knowing what they're tasting or what what the company's trying to do. It, it's not as effective. So um, we've always invested in people being able to taste it and people being able to be messengers to to pass on um, and explain the concept.
1: Right. Yeah. It makes sense, and especially in now when everything's become so digital and targeted ads and yeah. online, and there's just nothing quite the same as getting to taste the product live and then also being able to know to know where it lives at the store when we're trying yes. to drive purchases at retail. When you do a demo, at least, you know, you see where it is on the shelf or the person's close to the right. aisle and then you know how to repurchase the the product.
0: Yeah. So ironically, as everything gets more techno- technologically advanced, this is the most basic, most labor intensive form of marketing there is and it's by the way also super expensive per interaction right i mean you know you could you could do a, an ad on google and get thousands of eyeballs for pennies uh, you know exposure. In this one, it often will come to it, you know, literally, you know, when you net out the costs of having a person there and setting up the table and <laughs> driving there and the gas, it's probably more than a dollar a person per interaction. And yet it's by far the one I think the the stickiest, the one that gives you the best chance of conversion. I, You know, I don't think I could have talked about just a tad sweet on a Google ad, but I don't think that's as effective as somebody tasting a cup of of cold tea and understanding exactly what it means. And by the way, the other thing, one reason we've invested in it so much at retail is because it it when you're an early stage brand you're not everywhere so someone seeing a a metro sign about honest tea uh, just doesn't give them any context versus somebody in a store and let's say it's a whole foods or a mom's organic market um walking an aisle or walking by a, um a display of the product like you said it they know exactly where they are already qualified as a buyer because they're in the store they uh, already they don't have to search you know where do i go find it they're they're literally right there and they're willing to try it so it is, uh, it's much more targeted than any other form of marketing.
1: I'm curious about your perspective on building out field marketing programs in-house as a business versus hiring an agency. We see a lot of requests in our Slack community for people being like, okay, it's time for me to build out my demo program. Who do I hire to do it versus you know, training your own internal team members or, and I'm curious what you think about having that be remain an in-house activity or having it outsourced or can, can both work?
0: Yeah. I'm a big believer in developing your own team because nobody will be as passionate. No one will be as effective. I, it always pains me. I was just in a Costco last week and, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, those are hired folks and they'll be serving, they might be serving iced tea, you know, on Thursday, but they'll be serving bacon bits on Friday and, and, uh, energy drinks on Saturday. And they, there's not any, um, passion or, or messaging behind it. And so we absolutely believe in hiring our own team. Now that said, um, you know, early stage companies like eat the change don't, can't afford a year-round team. So what we did, uh, and we'll do again this summer, and, and this is what Honest T did for 20 years in a row, was hire what we call our road warriors. So these are summer interns. And and those, um, you, obviously, usually in college, um, and they become wonderful messengers for the brand. They have tremendous amount of passion and energy. And for them, a lot of them, it may be their first job. So they're learning, uh, but we train them. And it's always been a, a, a wonderful investment, for not just in, in the brand, but in, in people. We often, a lot of our interns over the years have you know, graduated and then come and worked for us. And so the, but I, I'm a big believer in, in direct, hiring versus, you know, working with an agency. There are some agencies that are better than others. And so you do, you know, they can, they can get excited when they focus on certain categories, but there's nothing like having a, a dedicated person who really lives the brand and becomes a great messenger. And by the way, after they're done working with a company for the summer, they'll, they may go back to school and do continued work or they just may be great messengers, you know, thereafter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's my experience as well as I, I tried lots of different agencies to when I was at Live Bar. And, you know, on average, an agency rep would sell maybe five or 10, uh, 10 bars per demo and versus someone that I hired direct and trained, they would sell 50 or 60. And I was like, okay, the return here is crazy. And so we ended up building out our own program and it was way more successful. It is a lot of work, but when when you see difference in in numbers like that, and just the passion for the people
0: for the brand, it's it's a huge it's a huge win. It's great to have you know a sense of competition and and being able to bra- bragging rights about how effective they are, and you mm-hmm. know we celebrate all that we we want to. And with an agency, it's just not the same. Um, You don't get that same feeling of because, like I said, they're on to the next next sampling event and next brand, um, so they just don't have that same level of engagement. Mm
1: -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the specifics of, like, for example, the the Road Warrior program of what kind of things you're promoting to get people? To join some of the structure yeah. of the program, I'd love to hear more details.
0: Yeah, so first of all, this is it has to be taken seriously. This isn't just oh, I'll hire a bunch of college interns and <laughs> let them lose. No, we we have it is a formal program. It's a ten week program. We have to have somebody who supervises it, and 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 so there's um first of all, you know, we advertise the the, the listings at, at universities in the markets where we want it to to be, and so. Going back to Honest Tea, we we did have in you know the past dozens of interns, so we would put usually put two together in a market so that they can support each other, or um, sometimes they'll do events together. Uh, but we always focus first on training, and so I I always commit to a few days of time. Um, to make sure they are trained because remember if if if, the, if our investment the reason we're hiring these folks is so they can be great messengers then they've got to have all the right messages and uh, you know between my co-founder Spike and I we know we've got we developed all the messages and we want them to hear from us and so then they can feel like they're passing it on and then we uh, usually the way it works um, that it is five days first of all it's also critical to mention this is, this is paid work this is you know we take this work seriously um, There that you this isn't work that somebody can't or legally, they should not be doing this for free. I mean, it is great training and they get great skills and all that, but you have to pay them to do that. And, and so um, we certainly pay our our summer World Warriors. And um, usually their schedules, it's five days a week, but it could be, you know, two days of the weekend. It, so it may, it's certainly not five weekdays all the time. Um, with our products, sometimes they'll spend an administrative day or a pre- preparation day in the office. And that may be because our mushroom jerky pouches is retailing for about $6. We can't give out pouches as samples, but what we can do is um, pack up small, little micro samples, and so they may spend a day in the office um, doing that, and that's kind of a nice day for them to be able to talk with each other. And and um, you know, usually we'll we'll supply lunch for them while they're doing that, and just have them sp- spend a day in the office to see what's going on. Uh, but then they go out, certainly to stores, but they also go to other events, whether it's festivals or museums or um, road races, whatever kind of event uh, we think makes sense. Um, one thing I always Tell our field marketing team we are gonna. I I don't like paying for us to participate in events. You know, when we go to an event, it is an investment. We pay our employees to go. As they say, we're paying for their time. We're paying for the samples we give away. The idea that we have to then pay to be able to give out product um, just doesn't feel. Right. So we're providing a service to and, 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 you know, if there's someone holding an event and we're basically giving out free food, it's small samples. But um, so I'm generally not in favor of us paying um, a venue to be able to give out samples.
1: Right. Yeah, that that makes total sense. I've definitely had, you know, really enthusiastic reps in the past be like, oh, I found this local event and I want to go and set up a tent and it's five hundred dollars or it's a thousand dollars. And I'm like, yeah, like, but then I have to pay you and I have to pay for the right. event. How about you just go to the event with a backpack and hand <laughs> yeah. out product, and then we don't yeah. pay for anything.
0: <laughs> well, we love that whole guerrilla approach. We've had some amazing uh, examples of interns who found innovative ways to get their product in front of people. And um, one of the the the, the probably the all time classic, and this was back in the day when you could bring liquids onto planes, so that tells you how long ago it was. Um, one of our interns got on a flight after after we just had a big company meeting, and he had a bunch of samples. And I think it was a Southwest flight. They literally let him. And get on the, the the flight attendant said, you know, um, I think it was Blaine, you know, he's got a big presentation he's got to make. He'd like to practice it on everybody here. So he gets up and he says, I'm with Honest Tea and we've got this less sweet tea. And then he literally was able to pour out cups of tea, little samples and walk up and down the aisles and let people taste it. <laughs> so he that's was able amazing. to on a plane. So that, you know, that that's probably the pinnacle of uh, sort of guerrilla marketing. But we found a lot of other ways to make our product, you know, to, to do those fun tasting events. And by the way, that in its own way is just like a really fun, offbeat way to communicate what the brand is about. Um, too so yeah there's there there are opportunities all over and you know our, our our rule is you always have to be polite you're never you know and of course one thing that sampling interns learn very quickly is that people you have to deal with rejection you know oh would you like to taste a sample no no get away they don't say get away from you but or, or they'll ignore you like you literally think wait am i invisible <laughs> but that's just part of the whole process too so by the way i and i tell my interns i said this is this is hard work and it's it's really important work it's the first part of selling is being willing to put yourself out there. And so they're doing that literally hundreds of times a day. And by the end of the summer you develop a little thicker skin, a little more confidence in your ability and willingness to pitch somebody and you know it's part of the work. So it's 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 a really great experience.
1: And you mentioned that interns coming by the office and so I'm guessing you have a group that are that are local. Do you also have have um, interns and road warriors like across the country and other yes. strategic areas?
0: Yes. The key is they have to be supervised though. So yes, we'll have some in California this summer, but we have a sales manager out there who who can train them and keep an eye on them. You can't just let people loose. And, and of course, we try to hire people who are responsible and learning. But as I said, this is... A, this is often their first job. And so it's not responsible to hire somebody and not give them the right training and guidance and supervision. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens, uh, whether it's a car breaks down or somebody is rude to somebody in a store and you need a manager to come in and, and handle that. So um, we have to take these uh, things seriously. And and if they're well supervised and guided, um, we, we see great results, but we've certainly had experiences where, you know, someone was just not, well supervised and and that, you know, that was bad on us, but it turn, didn't work out well.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering also with, with some retailers, when you, when you get into a retailer, having demo support at the store can be part of your promotional package for the year. And I'm wondering how you approach that with how that kind of dovetails into the Road Warrior program. If you get into yeah. a new retailer, are you saying... Hey, during the summer, we're going to be supporting your stores with X number of demos or sure. how do how do those go together yeah. with kind of in-store negotiations?
0: Most retailers love it. I mean, of course, during the pandemic it could be a little different, but you know, the ideal is when you can tell them it's not just a sampling event. We make it an event. So, we did this uh, last summer. We were launching the jerky. We made it into a whole uh, mushroom educational experience. We literally brought uh, a mushroom farmer with us, and she was able to display all the different types of mushrooms, how they grow. She brought in these logs where mushrooms were growing. And so, she had and tons of information and education. So, a retailer loves that because we're not just giving out samples, we're educating their consumers, and by the way, helping them sell other products like mushrooms too. And we also did it right out in front of the store. So we weren't uh, clogging the store. So, you know, think, and at Honest Tea, we used to have this mobile um, tea garden. And so we literally, it was a, it traveled around and it explained how tea is grown and had videos of tea pluckers and talked about fair trade. And, and it was experiential. People could, you know, brew their own tea. I mean, it was a whole experiential event and retailers of course love that too, because It 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 draws people to the store, and it's a reason for them to do. Generally, a grocery store is not that exciting a place. So when you can make it a you know experiential event, or where kids are interested in attracting that, of course, is is a good thing. What every retailer craves is more traffic that's you know more constructive traffic into the store, and if we can generate it, that's that's a positive. And then we we'll we'll do the same with restaurants if we're working with a restaurant partner and we can provide that kind of demo experience that's really positive too.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely I've even had experience getting rid of some some slotting fees or some free <laughs> fills of saying, yeah. "Hey, here's how much it costs for me to come demo to your store. Here, you know, yep. here's the traffic it drives whatever." And then yeah. the retailer is like, "You know what? Let's do demos instead of those things." And yeah. I'm like,
0: Awesome. That's a great point. And and I, I we we say that too. We say, look, slotting fees, that just that's I we under you know, rather than pay a slotting fee, which doesn't build uh, any awareness, let us invest in, you know, a demo program where we can really um bring people to the store and create traffic and and you know, that's I, I agree a much more a productive way to um create interest
1: and outside of the summertime when when students are more available, do you do you lean on students throughout the year if you know after after their summer yeah. internship they they want to stay connected or do you rely yeah. on other types of people for for different parts of the year? I'm curious about support outside of the summer.
0: so generally not as much. and that you know that works well. I mean, what we could not as a as a small business carry uh, interns through the full year. so, it's fortunate that at Honest Tea and Beyond Meat and even a bit with Eat the, the Change, more of the products are consumed during the warm weather months. Um, and we we do stay in touch. We have some interns who are coming back this summer after our first summer. Um, so they, they'll do, they did some work for us over the year, but in general... Um, It's it's okay for us to not support field marketing in person all year round. We just we don't have the budget for it. So um, we like to. The other thing that's just psychologically really helpful. By the time we get to sort of June, um, when the interns start, everyone's I don't say burned out, but a little. You know, we we've been working hard all year, and so it's wonderful to get this new infusion of energy and and excitement. Um, And it's just uh, uh, helpful to have some fresh faces in the office. And and you know, like I say, they they. They go back to school once the summer's over and, and we we don't have to carry that salary. Um, but it it is always a, a healthy infusion of energy into the business.
1: Right. I, I like that cyclical nature too, because a lot of times too, as a small founder, it can be overwhelming when you're looking at marketing investments, because it's like, you at least for myself, you think about them as being like, you know, kind of a forever commitment. I'm setting up this marketing program and then it's yeah. just going to keep going, but kind of building in. We're going to do this for the summer and then it'll come back right. next summer. But you, you don't have to continually be on and you can have other priorities, different parts of the year.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: How do you manage, you know, it, it can be tough to recruit employees right now, whether they're students or regular employees. I'm, I'm curious about how... If you if you guys have started recruiting for this summer or what your what your plans are to help entice people to be part of the program.
0: Yeah, we've hired most of our interns for the summer by this point. Uh, And it's what's great about it is there's schools. So many schools now have um, programs on food and sustainability. I mean, that is a that's an area that didn't exist when when I was in college and now it's an area. And so for these students, this is a way to, to live it out and explore it as a career path. But it also works for someone who's interested in marketing, someone who's interested in environmental studies, uh, or just straight, you know, business. So we we really advertise certainly with a lot of the local schools, but we've gotten um, resumes from all around the country. uh, People interested in this—the one thing given that the one big determinant is geography. I mean, it certainly helps if someone has a place to live because we're not we are paying, but we're not paying enough for someone to be able to you know um, live and and pay for their own apartment so that if they have someone they can live with, that certainly helps. And of course, they often need a car um, to get around to a sampling event. So it, it is um, someone could probably break even, but they're not going to save a lot of money doing this kind of work.
1: Right. Do you, have you established some more specific relationships with schools over time too as well, where the schools are kind of familiar with your organizations?
0: Um, we work with a bunch of students from a bunch of different schools, but it's not, and it's often the case that if we have one good student from a school, they'll tell some friends and then they'll, they'll see other people apply, but it's sort of, you know, it's moved around. It's certainly a lot of the local schools are are sources for us, but we also see people come from other parts of the country The the bigger determinant is ge- geography, just that maybe they went to high school here and their family is still around. Um, because like I said, they have a place to live for the summer.
1: Right. And when deciding which stores to have someone go to what kind of things are you looking at are you looking at velocity of that store are you looking at you know whether like it's Whole Foods versus mm. another type of store. How are you deciding where yeah.
0: to send people? Well, it does make a difference. There are certain stores that are just more amenable to it where it's more part of the experience. So certainly a Whole Foods or a Moms is is a more welcoming atmosphere for sampling than a Safeway or a Kroger. That's just just not how people shop at Safeway or Kroger and it's just not set up for that. So we do look for a store that is focusing more on innovation, more experiential um and uh obviously it, for us we also try to leverage a demo to get uh incremental display and that's one of the the rules we we um you know, training when we tell our intern like if all you do is go into a store give out samples and go home that's not uh as impactful as if you get to the store build a relationship with the store team you know make sure first of all they've tried the product right you want <laughs> whoever's merchandising the product to understand what it is uh then um Hey, I'm doing a demo. Could I put up a little display nearby? Um, and and then on the way out, oh, do you mind if I put an incre- incremental? Here's a here's a little um, a clip. Could I, you know, could I hang some um, jerky, you know, near this part of the stand? I mean, you definitely want to make the store and our presence in the store better for us having been there. So that's. To me, I, I don't want to say that it's half as important as the demo itself, but you know, it these are not about just sort of going out and giving out samples and, and leaving.
1: Right. Yeah. I've definitely found that when you have when you have a great rep going into the store, it's just a really good way to have a pulse on what's going on in that store. They can tell you yeah. if something's stocked out. They can tell you if something's missing on the shelf or, or or and they start to build the relationship where the person's like, oh, you know, I didn't really notice your product before, but you keep coming in here. So I'm going to make sure <laughs> I reorder it or whatever. And you're like, Absolutely. wow, that." That personal yeah. touch really can help.
0: It does make a big difference. Just a friendly face, and you know, certainly in a store where you have the ability to, if you can give out some swag, a, a hat or a shirt, you know, the person who's doing the merchandising can become a continuous point of sale for you.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And when it when it comes to you know when you're in quite a few stores, kind of digging in a little more to to choosing stores, do you do you prioritize? Would you prioritize a store that has is struggling in sales a little bit Mm -hmm. or your best-selling store, you know, if you have to, if you're like, okay, I have five stores to choose from, I can only demo at one, you know, how do you kind of make some of those hard decisions? Do you do yeah. you target the one that's really struggling? Do you target the the super winner, to the mediocre? Where do you just? De- how do you decide?
0: Well, you definitely want to develop a best in class. So certainly, you know, just because the store is selling well doesn't mean you should not go there. You re- in fact want to help understand why is it selling well there, and is it just the audience, or do they have incremental displays? Whatever it is, you want to invest in the best. Um, but you also want to be able to go to a lower performing store and understand what's happening there. And and so when it is if if you have numbers and you can show them they're not performing as well, and you can show those numbers, and you can say, look, here's the display they have at this other store. So you want to leverage that too. So I guess I'm not giving you a good answer because I, I, I actually try to get us to all stores um, as much as we can, and then certainly the ones that we think have the most potential. Um, we'll go after and, and, and do more with. So, you know, we've launched our mushroom jerky last summer. Now we're launching our kids, our carrot product. And so we'll certainly make sure we hit the top performers on the, on the jerky side, because we know that the brand resonates, but we'll also try to, um, you know, find out how we can take what we've learned and from selling in the the other lower performing stores and and leverage that. Right.
1: And how do you recommend tracking the success of some of these things? Like some of our Some of our members of the community, they might not have access to spins or, or sell through data yet, but they want to man, they want to track the, you know, success of the program. Is it, you know, having, having field reps count what's going on? Is it looking at just your reorder numbers? How do you recommend kind of tracking the success of a program?
0: So a few things. First, we want to understand how many samples were given out because that is one Indicator. Um, we just know the more people who taste it, it uh, doesn't mean more, you know everyone's going to like it. But the more people who taste it, the better chances we have, right? You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, so we got to take shots. Then we want to understand how many of the people are buying the product out of the samples. So you know, if we're giving out 100 samples, are we selling five or six, or are we selling you know 15 or 20? Uh, and then what we really want to look at is over time is after we do a ton of sampling, does it move the needle? So if we were averaging, I'll just pick some numbers, let's say we were averaging one unit per store, per skew, per week, and we do a whole big injection of sampling, does it move to five units per skew, per store, per week? Or does it you know, um, move to two? Um, and does it stick? Because ideally, you know, what you're really gonna, you're not gonna be able to demo enough to justify the cost. What you gotta be able to do is get enough demos going to encourage repeat purchase and that will eventually pay for itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and for someone that's kind of dipping their toe into field marketing and building their own team, what recommendations do you have to start with? You know, can can they start with just hiring a couple people for the summer? Is is that enough to get started? Do do you have to go big out the door? You know, kind of some getting started tips.
0: Yeah, make sure you you learn as you go. So start with I would like I wouldn't hire less than two, but I would hire two and really handhold. Uh, With these interns, really um, make sure they have the full context and understanding. Now, that said, you can't help them anticipate every aspect, but do as much as you can to get them (laughs) psychologically ready for what's going to come, and and then reinforce to them: "Look, you're an entrepreneur, like just like you know the rest of us. You're going doing something you haven't done before. You're going into an unknown, unfamiliar situation, and we can't prepare you for every event that's going to happen. And that's part of what being an entrepreneur is. The other thing I always do." is i i, I do as, as much as i can to help them communicate and understand that i i recognize this is hard work you know because it is you're <laughs> by the way when it was honest tea and you had to lug around coolers and heavy bottles and ice and you had glass bottles that break that was a lot tougher than it than giving out samples of um, you know shelf stable <laughs> packets of jerky <laughs> so but you know make sure you you they understand you've been in their shoes that you're you know cuz you never want someone to say uh, I'm working harder than everyone in the office is sitting in air conditioned office and, and, you know, behind their desks and I'm here sweating in the sun. And so, you know, make sure they, they understand you've been part of, you've done that work as well. Um, and so they, they don't just feel like they're <laughs> being put to, you know, brutal grinding work while the rest of everyone else is just relaxing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think another thing, sorry to add, Jesse, but it's really important to understand we're entrusting them as the ambassadors for our brand, right? We're, we're You know, this is a brand that this is our livelihoods we've created and we are entrusting them to represent us. To people to introduce us to people and that's a, that's a really important obligation we're um entrusting them with and and so we have high expectations and expect them to to live up to those yeah that that's a really great point.
1: And do you have any, I think you mentioned this earlier, any like kind of internal competitions during this mm-hmm. season or do you have any other ways to kind of incentivize performance um, amongst kind of
0: group camaraderie? Well, we certainly want to recognize achievement. And so we we always give them the chance to talk about what they've done. And we want to hear the other thing. And this is true for all the companies at our stage is market research, right? We, um, we don't have the funds to go out and do broad-based polls or or sampling. And so what we do with these demos is we share the feedback. And I want to hear, oh, you know, I I mean, one of the most, we've talked about this before, but when I did a demo and Honest Tea had a bottle that said freshly brewed, barely sweetened, and someone came up and said, oh, barley sweetened tea. I've never heard that. And of course it didn't say barley, it said barely, but the person read it the wrong way. I'm like, oh my gosh, I learned about my packaging that it, 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 that's a Mm -hmm. really confusing message. And so I want to hear, oh, people Come up and say, "Oh, I don't like this particular flavor," or "Ooh, that color seems odd," or "I, I um I don't even know what this is." Um, so we want to make sure that we're hearing their feedback. The worst thing would be for them to to learn all this stuff and keep it to themselves, and then we go out and you know miss a, miss something because we're not we're not listening to the market intelligence that our organization is is picking up. So um, we really want to make sure. And sometimes we'll even entrust them with, "Hey, we have a new." concept or a new idea and and while you're at the demo I'll ask them if they'd be willing to give you you know some feedback on this or try something new and generally people are really receptive to that they they like those kinds of opportunities. But and then just as a whole, we like to have, uh, I don't want to say competition for competition's sake, but we usually have like a, a summer kickball game uh, and just other things that we'll do just to, you know, create a sense of um, fun within the team and, and team spirit. Right. Yeah. No, that that sounds super fun. That's awesome.
1: I, I love hearing your your honest tea story. Just picturing the difference between the, the glass bottles and then and then hollering around jerky or carrot
0: juice is oh a God. very... Very stark difference. Well, and beyond me, and beyond Meat was tough too, because we had to grill. So we literally had to bring in a oh. plug-in griddle, and then you got, you know, a heated uh thing. And you, of course, but the meat itself goes refrigerated, and then you've got to have buns and you've got to si- slice it. And and that was so much work, but really important work. But by the time you've given out a, I remember we would sort of get a burger, <laughs> you know, you cook up a burger, you you put it on the bun, you put the ketchup on, you cut it into fourths and within seconds that sample's gone. And it's just, you just got to, it's continuous. <laughs> it's like running a, a short order cook um, just continuously and and it's hard work. And then of course you got the grease after you've cooked the burger. How do you get rid of that? Um, so the there's different levels of, of investment. But you know, that said, it was it was a critical part of the experience and and Beyond Meat still has a very intensive field marketing program. Now we do a little more with food trucks, um, but like I say, you cannot launch innovation and uh without finding a way for people to taste it. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if you have any other stories from honesty or beyond meat of super successful. Uh, oh, campaigns, yeah. or even ones that sure. were maybe flops, I love hearing the stories.
0: The most successful uh, campaign we did at Honesty was what what we became our uh, Honesty Index, and so what we did there, it started with some of our field marketers. Um, they had set up. This was in Arizona. They had set up a display, and they had um, a bin, a, a barrel of ice tea, and they had to go back and get some more ice. And so they they took the, the they had the tea, a case of tea inside a barrel. And they put up a sign saying, um, "We'll went to get ice. We'll be back." And then, um, as they were walking back to the display, um, they saw some people sort of gathering around and, like, "Well, here's some free cases. Here's a free case of tea." Um, There's no one around. What does that mean? And so then it sort of raised this question: What happens? How honest are people when no one's looking? And what we eventually started to do was was create activations, and we did this in. Actually, we did it one year. We did it in every state in the country where we set up a rack of tea. We set up a sign saying a dollar a bottle. Um, and We called it the Honest Store. And uh, we had a little Lucite box people could put money in, but there was no one monitoring and no register. And of course, it was a sampling event because people were buying tea for a dollar a bottle uh, or not. They were taking tea for, for free. Um, but it was fun how that grew out of um, you know just a sampling team. And so that in its own became Actually, an event, a national event. It literally was on the Today Show, Good Morning America. And it was, it started, all started with just. You know, giving out samples of tea.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Is there anything else that you wanted to share on on this topic, either stories or tips for for building these types of programs?
0: Well, the only thing I'll just give in the context of the pandemic is that obviously some stores. Uh, hopefully, the summer it's going to be more relaxed, but certainly last summer, you know, challenging because people have to wear masks. And so, what we did is we found we made little micro samples um, that people could take home, and of course, that's not as good because you. Want people to be able to taste it at the table where they're at, um, but there's always a way to do demos uh, and and you know of course the other way to think about sampling even if you're an e-commerce company um, is to include little samples in other packets people are getting. So just find a way for people to taste it. And like I said, with something like a mushroom jerky, which no most people have never tasted before, it's hard to expect someone to go you know lay out six dollars for something they don't know what it is or what it tastes like. So we've got to make Break down that wall, that barrier to to the purchase. We've got to make it easier. We've got to make it accessible. And so these are the kind of investments we need to make to, to, to do that. And that's what essentially what field marketing is. Of course, this whole, you know, our community, the CPG startup community, it's all about bringing out innovation. And, you know, it, yes, it's it's incumbent on us to innovate, but it's also incumbent on us to find ways for people to taste those innovations. So that's what this is all about.
1: Great. Yeah. Well, glad you could join us today to talk through this topic. Thanks for being here today and excited for next time.
0: Sure, Jesse. look forward to it.
1: Thanks for joining us. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at StartupCPG.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.